0: Greetings folks, this is Daniel. Just jumping in here to point out what you're about to listen to. I recently decided to shut down my Patreon because I feel weird about putting my friends behind a paywall when they're coming on my show to to shoot the shit with me about metal, and I have a lot of fun doing these episodes, and I would like y'all to hear them. So uh, they are coming out from behind the paywall. I'm killing that thing. Uh, I'm going to work more of these into my regular show feed, so if you like them, cool. If you don't, column bonus episodes you don't have to listen to uh so this episode is me chatting with bring your own popcorns aubrey Zavalos, talking about the movie sound of metal so enjoy that i will be back next week with an interview episode so look forward to that and this week enjoy this thanks <laughs> Greetings, folks. Welcome to the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, I'm being joined by the host of Bring Your Own Popcorn, Aubrey Zavalis, to talk about the film Sound of Metal. Aubrey, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm doing well.
0: And uh, how has the Sound of Metal been uh, chiming for you?
1: So I thought it was a truly excellent film. Not what I was expecting in terms of being a metal movie, but... I felt like it was low-key a life-changing movie. Like since I finished it, I've just been like what's the word? Sort of like living in a it changed my perspective. Like it gave me so much gratitude for my life and just added a lot of perspective to the different experiences that different people have of life. Yeah. If that makes sense. No,
0: it absolutely does. Uh my wife, Katie and I talked about it for a long time and you know, kind of hypothesize how we might react if we were in their shoes and this all that stuff. But uh, we'll dive in the movie here shortly. But uh, first, uh, we have uh, history as far as metal and movies go, because I was a guest on your podcast many years ago, and we talked about the Metallica concert film Through the Never. Uh, what is your general metal opinion of things?
1: So I have like one toe into being a metal fan like a single toe of my whole body which is par- partially thanks to being your friend and listening to your podcast there are some bands that i like and i sh- will look up spotify right now to tell you some of their names <laughs> I-,
0: I feel like one i know uh, is devin townsend because we were supposed to see him last year uh and then you've sent me stuff from about like mushuga before and then i don't know either
1: Yes. Does John count as metal?
0: Yeah. John.
1: I've got some Opeth. Mm. Full disclosure, I'm looking at my liked songs on Spotify.
0: What's the Opeth song you liked?
1: Oops. Let me go back to it. Oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I just removed a song from my liked songs. Tragedy. Um, I like dignity, sorceress, windowpane. Um Oh, I love Cloud Kicker. Are they considered metal? Yeah, I give it a Cloud not Kicker. Just more.
0: No, okay. no.
1: Cloud, cloud Kicker is one of my favorite bands. So,
0: ben was on far beyond metal. So, there you go. Strawberry Girls is, uh, I'd say, math rock, but we're splitting hairs if we start diving there. I mean, so
1: definitely more in the like prog zone and definitely not into the more like, um, what's the kind of music that they made in Norwegian black metal? Like that kind of mm. stuff. I'm not, I don't really get into the black metal so much.
0: I have a lot of issues with the uh, classic black metal. Most of it centers in like what it sounds like. It really just sounds like somebody has a bucket full of like shards of glass and they shake it (laughs) and then somebody shrieks over the top of it. But then if you dive into those, the earliest folks who did it for the most part, they're not great guys either. Uh, And full disclosure, we initially were going to do the movie Lords of Chaos, but it turned out just to be too much of a bummer. I may circle back to it. We'll see. I don't know. I remember reading most of the book and it eventually just kind of became this long list of these guys who were just dicks and forgetting the movie is just going to be highlighting the worst parts and it should be, it shouldn't put them in a great light. So you got, what, a half hour in and you're just like, nah.
1: Yeah, it's still like every time I think of it, I like feel sick. Like it made me, it hurt my soul.
0: Damn. <laughs> yeah. All right, well let's uh, let's turn our eyes to a better film, one that you actually finished. I- I'm assuming that'd be yeah. weird if it, if it was a life changing film that you bounce on an hour in. You're like, I don't care how this yeah. ends.
1: Those first thirty minutes, like, yeah.
0: Well, let's let's start because like uh, the whole idea of these metal movie club things that I'm calling these was to watch movies that are centered around heavy metal and just kind of talk about their place in the zeitgeist of things. I feel like heavy metal played really such a small part in this movie. And if you wanted to split hairs, their band wasn't a metal band. um, More of a hardcore thing. And I like to clock uh, on these episodes what other bands these movies are repping. And they did so through t-shirts. And uh, wow, why can't I remember his character's name? I know his real name. Roman? Ronan?
1: R- Ruben. Ruben.
0: Ruben. Ruben wore a Youth of Today shirt, a rudimentary shirt, a Jism shirt, J G I S M, and an Insterdense shirt, which those are all either experimental or hardcore bands. So he wasn't even repping metal in the sound <laughs> of metal. But what did you think of? I wrote down their name: Black Blackgammon, like Backgammon, but spooky.
1: Um, I I honestly I didn't think much of it. It just it didn't sound like a real band to me. Um, I suspect that the people playing it, I haven't looked into it, but the people playing the music might have been the brother of the director because his brother was a musician and part of a big inspiration for the film. It's not based on a true story, but his brother still helped inspire the story with his own different health issues. So I wonder if it's something that they made, but maybe you know more about that. But basically it just didn't sound like real music to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I did not dive too deep on the, the actual band because I decided I didn't think the band was very good. Um, but in the footage, that's actually Rizomed playing drums, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, it's oh. it, it feels hard to fake drums because I know in, well, nope, the big shorts, Christian Bale learned to play drums from like listening to Mastodon and stuff and he's nailing that and as is Riz Med uh he, he apparently took took up drums for 7 months to make this movie while also, you know, learning ASL. Yeah. At the same time. Damn. I, I know like actors and actresses and everyone will, like learn certain skills to portray them professionally on a screen and look like they know what they're doing. But like to have two of them for one film just seems like such an undertaking.
1: Yeah, learning learning drums and ASL at the same time, that's amazing
0: and uh katie my wife um she took a series of asl classes in college and she um was able to like make out some stuff that they were saying but you know not everything but she uh pointed out that the way he speaks um when he's using sign language is like somebody who's learning it and that was something that was she thought was portrayed well because everyone else at the table for example it's fluid they're like you know they they clearly know what they're doing which was pretty rad and uh the Co-star Paul Rack Racky Racy, uh, I learned is a child of two deaf parents, so he is fluent, which explains why his stuff was so convincing, because it was legit.
1: Yeah, that was one of my the or questions about it that I looked into after watching it was that hoping that they represented the deaf community in their in, with the actors and actresses. Um, because I knew the Rizamed obviously isn't really. Uh, deaf but um, seeing that made me really happy that they actually most of the people you see who are not hearing people are really are part of that community which is amazing
0: yeah I couldn't find an exact like number but it was it was all the articles I kind of found were more than you thought oh great Uh, I want to talk about the actual actor, uh, Riz Ahmed, who I thought was great in this. And um, one thing I couldn't help but like highlight for my myself was all his tattoos. So I, everyone I clocked, I wrote down. Uh, so he across his chest, he had Please Kill Me, as well as guns. He had a scumbag across his belly, which was adorable. He had, I can't make out my own hair, handwriting there, but a cricket on his neck. A bull as oh, well. I thought it was a cockroach. Oh, maybe it was a cockroach. That's more That's more punk rock, really. So it's probably a cockroach. Because that would go with his uh, do not resuscitate with a cross thingy through it. Uh, a clown on his back where he was also going to get his girlfriend's face, which is something. Or, yeah. Just the word no on his hand. I'm not sure if that's like a don't masturbate sort of thing, but maybe that's that's something. Uh, a heart tattoo that said your mom on it, which I thought was pretty great. Mm-hmm uh a skull on his forearm lulu on his other forearm finger tattoos one that said a l i v i'm assuming the thumb had e but i couldn't tell and i couldn't make out the other one the <laughs> illuminati eye and a cross and there are some that i missed but uh yeah
1: i know when you missed what on his upper r- r- right arm it's underwear like, oh, yes, yes. Like, Captain Underpants style, just underwear.
0: <laughs> the one I couldn't make out says briefs, but I wrote it in a uh, weird briefs. way with my handwriting that looks like B-R-I-D-S. Brids. <laughs> Brids. But I thought he was great. I love the the tattoo details to his character. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's dive into the actual, like, story of it because, oops, I, I wrote down about halfway through my notes, all caps, this is a horror movie. Because this, <laughs> what he went through is, like, my worst fear because um, mm-hmm. I'm a musician I love making podcasts and I have we we had a brief conversation about how we thought we might react with uh, my wife or just like myself if something like this happened and I had a flashback to a party you were, you and I were at maybe 11 years ago it was a new year's party and we were hanging out and somebody set off a firecracker next to my ear and I lost my mind and I watching that went Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would probably be where he's at in this situation if my hearing suddenly deteriorated over what was portrayed as a very short amount of time. So, this to me was the worst. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was the beginning of the movie. Like I was already crying like very quickly into the beginning. Fortunately, not for the similar reasons of like Lords of Chaos, which is because of like murder and suicide. (laughs) But but yeah, like to the idea of losing the ability to hear music, like music is such an important part of my life. And just the number of days where my whole day is turned around just by picking up my guitar and fucking around on it. I, I just can't imagine. Although I do want to make sure to tread with respect in regards to something they address in the film, which is that the uh, deaf community that Riz's character ends up going to live with very specifically does not view deafness as a disability, and they're not trying to fix it. Of course. They're trying to find joy as they are. So I, as much as it, like, the thought of losing my hearing is, like, horrifying to me, I also want to, like... Tread with respect to the people that that do live with that and still live happy, fulfilling lives. But yeah, the thought of not being able to hear music hurts me deeply.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I and I understand what you're saying. I totally respect it. But my my gut reaction would be how he reacted, just because I know myself. And um, what I thought was cool about how they uh, portrayed his uh, progression throughout the movie what that uh Katie actually pointed out was that at the beginning of him moving in with that community he doesn't know what's going on and neither do you but as he learns they start including subtitles on their stuff they're saying and i thought that was really clever like and i didn't even notice it initially um and yeah like you said early on this movie's great and i <laughs> like the whole idea of this podcast is to kind of poke fun at things but i just don't want to with this movie like i have jabs at his band but i that's it
1: (laughs) it's a really good movie and apparently it it was in production for basically over 13 years so which i think it shows a lot of times if you've been working on something for that long you have so much time to like correct and and really work on this it was really a dream project for the for the creator of the film, whose name I forget right now, Dar- Darius, Darius Martyr, I
0: think. I think I think that's right.
1: Um, should we do a synopsis? Sure. Who's doing
0: it? I don't know. <laughs> so, for some reason, you're listening to this without watching this film, uh, which I, you know, I can understand. It's a it's an Amazon exclusive film. Find a way, another way to watch it, probably. But uh, if if you are listening to this without watching it, uh, this is about a character who is a drummer in a band and through ways that aren't super clear but are kind of alluded to in two different ways begins to lose his hearing and then has to learn to basically live a new way uh to learn asl and like accept his the lot in life that he now has and kind of reevaluate his life in that in doing so um so I think that's kind of your your spoiler-free synopsis. And we're, we've already kind of spoiled other things. But um, did, I, did I miss anything? That well, feels like oversimplifying this film.
1: I guess, well, the big part you're leaving out is the relationship that he has with his girlfriend and the effects that that has on this. Um, and an interesting, getting deeper into the film. Something that I was thinking about today about their relationship that was interesting to me is at the beginning, I was... Um, questioning a lot of how he was treating her in light of this, like, very tragic and upsetting news. Um, but trying to figure out, like, is this a healthy relationship and he's just going through this really hard time and that's causing him to lash out and take it out on her, but they're going to, like, figure it out and get through it. But by the end of the film, you do see that she's she used to self-harm. And since she's been away from him, because he's had to go live with this community, she stopped self-harming. She's, like, healthier and happier and, like, has a stronger sense of herself and is, like, doing really well, which her dad, like, emphasizes to Ruben as he's visiting. Like, she's doing really well, okay? And that's what we want. She's happy right now. Which made me realize more that, like, Yes, he was going through a really difficult situation in the beginning, but also their relationship probably wasn't in a great spot to begin with. But they kind of were these two maybe lost kids who were thrown together by their love of music and by their need to, their need for a sympathetic figure, I guess. And like a lot of relationships, when that maybe wasn't working out in a healthy way for them, they just, you know just kept going because that's just what they were doing which you see the character Ruben doing throughout the whole movie his only goal is to get back to playing metal music again or get back to playing hardcore music again to just get back to the same routine even though you finally realize like she wasn't really happy doing that that wasn't really what she wanted to do and maybe he wasn't really either it was just like we've been doing this we said it was our dream so we have to keep doing it And the whole movie is sort of about him slowly realizing that you can find happiness in whatever path you've ended up on. It doesn't have to be like exactly what you wanted it to be. And sometimes you might think that something's going to make everything better and it doesn't turn out that way as with the the implants that he ends up getting.
0: Uh, On that note, like I think a lot of their relationship was his codependence because When he first sits down with uh, Paul Racy's character, he asks him, oh, you're an addict. He says, how long ago? Four years. Oh, how long have you been with your girlfriend? Four years. So he was dependent on her to stay clean, but she was then kind of stuck in this thing. And then, you know, I've been in a band that I wasn't super stoked on. There's like a weird thing where you kind of feel like you have to keep doing it, but also like because somebody else is depending on you. So that might be why she stuck around. But then, you know, the band became his life and that's all he had, but then he didn't have that and had to find a new life. And yeah, her side note, her other project that he found online was terrible. Where it's just her guitar pedal screaming. I feel like I've seen that band and I don't I don't like that band.
1: Wait, wasn't it silent? I thought we couldn't hear her at all.
0: Uh, I you couldn't hear her because it was through his point of view. Uh but watching what they were showing i guarantee it was terrible <laughs> yeah if someone is screaming through a distortion pedal i mean there's a whole scene for that and it's definitely not my thing but god it's probably rough <laughs> one thing i thought was kind of weird uh and it's not even like weird it just had me like wondering if you go to a pharmacist will they give you medical advice cuz when he first started like his hearing was basically gone. He ran to a pharmacist who then called a doctor for him. Is that something they do? No, right? Yes?
1: I mean, I've never heard of it. Um, yeah, because it was just like in a drugstore. Because I'm sure I could run into Kaiser. And if I like accosted one of the pharmacy <laughs> people, they'd be like, um, let's get you to a doctor. But it looked like he was just at CVS or something. It was, it was weird.
0: Uh, I didn't. Well, this is my my own Issues with the MPAA. Uh, I thought it was very strange that this movie is rated R, seemingly just because they said "fuck" a bunch. Which, I mean, that's the whole rule is that you get one non-sexual "fuck" and after that, it's rated R. This could have not been rated R. Wow. Oh, I
1: thought I thought it was multiple fucks. That's stupid. Uh, Literally just one.
0: <laughs> yeah. If it's more than one non-sexual "fuck," it's rated R. Uh, this one apparently had fifty-five. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> well, because I, right. I
1: guess even if it was like 10.
0: I was on IMDb and it was, they have the parental guide and I was like, what is this rated? And it's like R. I was like, why? Forgetting it fucks a swear word. And they had the count there because that's something you can find on IMDb for some reason because somebody <sighs> took the time.
1: That is so silly. Cause yeah, there's nothing else in this movie. Like there's no sex scenes, there's no violence besides um, him kind of throwing a tantrum and breaking equipment. But there's no, like, physical violence between people.
0: I have very random notes to this. Because, like I said, I, I went in trying to, like, take a little piss out of it. But can't. Uh, the bus is sick. Like, their their travel bus is really fucking cool. Um, I thought it was interesting that he sold the bus for $26,000. Then all the other stuff on the bus. And was able to get between forty dollars and $80,000. That doesn't seem right. Because uh, his drums... They're probably find drums that soundboard you could probably get some decent money from like a classic person who is into old gear after that no way and then uh he sells the thing gets the implants comes back asks the guy he's living with for money but still has money to get a hotel find his way to france and then you know figure all that out i've been to france once it's fucking expensive
1: yeah I- I just assume that was like off-screen movie magic explanations. Like maybe he did have savings. You know, maybe he had eight thousand dollars savings, but that's not enough. You know, for the whole operation, so he just needed to raise like the remaining thirty-two thousand. <laughs> but yeah, I have no idea how he paid for that hotel. I mean, maybe that was on a credit card. You know, there's ways to explain it, but it did just seem like he was kind of skating through the financial stuff a little bit more, less realistically than I think the average person would would find that they could do.
0: Uh, I looked up this article let me see if i can find it real quick because i screenshotted it uh it was from an audiologist that said the way they portrayed losing your hearing in the movie was pretty accurate as well as the cochlear implants which i never really thought about because i've there's actually a whole episode of scrubs that's kind of about this um in the episode uh this father and son are in there and dr turk on the show finds out that the kid qualifies for cochlear implants but the dad doesn't want him to get them. And like, you know, uh, some people in this movie, specifically uh, Riz or Ruben initially, Dr. Turk thinks of it as a fix. And the co- the guy is convinced this is the only way he can remain close with his son. So that's why he says no to the implants. So he winds up like, you know, explaining like, no, this is just another way for the kid. And I think he eventually gets them, but I never got to the point when I was like, but what does it actually sound like? And apparently the really kind of tinny digital sound is what it winds up sounding like. Which is that then the sound of metal? Mm. Whoa. Good one. (laughs) Yeah, that was, uh, that like hit me way later. And I just was like, oh, there's the metal. Because initially I'm like, this is not a metal band. And then it's like a tinny sound. I'm like, okay, I might, if that's what you're going for, I see what you did there.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Because I was thinking like, oh, it's probably called The Sound of Metal because The Sound of Metal is what made him lose his hearing. But that also makes a lot of sense. That also broke my heart too. Like he was resting everything on getting those implants. Like, oh, if I just get the implants, it's magically going to be better. I'm going to go back to my life exactly as before. And then he finds out that no, it's like the implants are it's like sort of like listening to a radio with not the greatest reception and like loud noises will like sounded like it was making it like over what's the word? Audio technician guy.
0: (laughs) words. Um, (laughs) Feedback was one when they were, he was at the party and he heard like everyone talking at the same time and couldn't distinguish sounds. Uh, Yeah. I don't know what the technical term for that would be, but uh, that.
1: Yeah. Overblown I think is the word I was, was looking for. Just like, yeah i had no idea
0: yeah uh, apparently that was fairly accurate uh her one comment was uh that the deterioration process that he goes through seemed too rapid to be a sound-based thing which Mm -hmm. actually brings me back to uh something i noticed at the beginning of the movie when the band the band performs three times there's the way it opens a second song when he's kind of like Realizing something might be up. And then the third one, when is he finally tells his girlfriend, the first two times he's wearing in-ear monitors and they look like nice in-ear monitors. And if they are the kind, I think they are, those are molded to your ears. So they're ideally noise canceling in themselves. So they're tight enough. And then you can control the volume. You know, there's so much off-screen history that he could have gone through to have damage done to his ears. But once you get the in-ear monitors, you can control how loud they are. And maybe he had them up all the way from years of other damage. And But then third performance, he's not wearing them at all. He could have turned them way up, but no, he's just none, none ear monitors. And that was just like a little nitpick of mine where I was like, but you could turn those down. Or, like, in the third time, why not have them and turn them way up?
1: Yeah. I actually didn't even see those because I was looking for them. Because I knew the premise of the movie was that he loses his hearing. And then I was looking in his ears at the beginning, and I didn't notice that. But maybe they had them on him in those first couple of scenes because Riz was wearing them, like, for to protect his own real hears, ears since he was actually playing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps.
1: They could have green green screened them out. <laughs>
0: just paint them green yeah make them green i'm sure they're available in green uh other stupid notes i had i'm very interested in the dog lulu curious a note to do a character and dog with the same names lou and lulu
1: oh i didn't catch that
0: where's the dog louie can't tell my writing i think it was louie uh i like that he's also a talented artist and was able to draw a naked lady for his friend who then got it tattooed on her
1: yeah,
0: that was, that was the fun scene. No, no. Don't want that much bush. Trimmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and overall, my, like, minor gripe with the film is the, the passage of time. We, like, you're, he's clearly there for a while because, you know, kind of life moves beyond him. But how long was he on, like, the farm with the, the those people? Clearly long enough to learn ASL enough to get by and then...
1: Yeah, well, it took eight. It took Riz Ahmed eight months to learn ASL. So you figure it probably was comparable to that. Yeah, maybe would make sense. Maybe
0: they did that part live, like as he learned yeah. the character, he learned in real life. Probably not. That'd be fun though.
1: I did find it interesting the story of this movie because it feels so real. Like it feels so intimate. Like they really knew the. They're portraying something they really understand. That they've really learned about in a way that made me think that this must be based on a true story. Like this must be the director, like really went through this or the family member went through this or something. And I couldn't find anything that indicated that it, the story actually went through several evolutions before landing on this. It also went through shovel several genres. So the band originally had like different names and was different genres of music and stuff. Um, but it was like loosely inspired by the, the director's brother being sick, but it was like a stomach infection and he was really isolated from people, so it wasn't a, um, yeah, it wasn't a hearing issue. Um, and it didn't seem like it was based on anyone in his life who actually lost their hearing from what I could find in articles, which I thought was interesting. interesting and impressive that they went to the extent that they did to do this research and, by all accounts, do a really good portrayal, a really good respectful portrayal of the deaf community and of what that process is actually like. So I thought that was really impressive of them.
0: This could have easily been phoned in and they could have, it could have been real bad, but you know, it wasn't. And it got a lot of recognition. I think it's got an, an Oscar for sound editing and then just straight editing. And after I read that and watched the movie, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Of course. Definitely. Uh, I have no more nonsense notes. I have a bunch I can't even make the, make out. Uh, what other notes do you have on this film?
1: Uh, I have, um, ASL is beautiful. We can talk about that. It's just so cool looking. It's just lovely. Uh, I really loved the dinner scene at the beginning when he first comes in, when Ruben first comes into the deaf community and they're having dinner together. Um, it's obviously very alienating for him because they're all talking to each other and he doesn't know what they're saying, but it's just amazing because it's this crowd of people they're all talking at the same time but there's no normally at a dinner everyone's talking at the same time you'd be like overwhelmed and have a hard time hearing anyone but they could just all talk at the same time and yep. like pay attention to each other at the same time even though they're talking at the same time and I, I thought that was awesome um in the school where Ruben ends up teaching when Paul Racy's character is walking him in there someone's signing and talking to someone as they're walking by them in the hallway and he interrupted their sign to give them a high five and like a fist bump and I thought that was weird because wouldn't that sort of be like if you were talking and someone just came by and just like put their fingers in your mouth <laughs> he's just,
0: I, yeah I he's like in the that. middle of
1: talking and he just grabs his hand <laughs> I thought that was interesting it seems like that would be like a, a social faux pas, but I don't know Gotta be. I thought the writing room was actually dope AF so one of Paul racy's Um, self-help things that he gives to Ruben to help him get through this period of his life, of adjusting to his new life, is that he instructs him every morning he has to go to this room and just write and write and write and write until he can't write anymore. And it's just a completely empty room with a chair and a table and a pen and a notebook and, like, huge windows with sun coming in. And, I don't know, that just looks like a dream to me. Just, like, no distractions, just a space to be
0: I thought it was interesting that I don't recall those writings really coming into play. Like, what did he write? (laughs) And it's almost better that they didn't. Because when it it took me, you know, an hour before I was like, oh, wait, what was he even writing? And and then I think Paul's character even said he was going to be doing the same somewhere else. That didn't come up either. So just this soul therapeutic thing to have him do.
1: It comes up after he kind of is gapes to get his the first phase of the implant surgery because he's that's like non the bargain it's sort of like a rehab center there's a lot of people who are former addicts there too mm-hmm. and so the rules are like no phones no keys you stay there you don't have contact with the outside world you communicate where you're at and stuff like that and he just disappears when he comes back he actually interrupts Paul Racy's uh writing because he's sitting and writing um and then he sort of tells him have you actually been writing? Have you actually been just like sitting in there? And I think that he hasn't been. I don't know how much he's been writing because there's one shot of him writing where he's written like a couple words and then he's literally just scribbling. Like it's not words. It's just scribble, 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 Mm -hmm. scribble. So I think part of the point of that was to say that he actually didn't take that time to introspect in the way that that character was suggesting that he do, which maybe held up a little bit of his healing. Um, There's a scene that I really like where Ruben plays a slide lullaby oh, to yeah. a child. See, there's a kid who's like too distracted at a school performance and so Ruben takes him outside to the park to just sit with them. And he starts drumming on the a metal slide and it puts the child to sleep. Like the child's just like listening to it and like slowly <laughs> drifting off to the sound of a slide drum. <laughs>
0: Actually, that that brings up one criticism I saw of the film in a, in a review that Ruben's character seems to just, for the most part, immediately give up on drums. Like, of all the instrumentation you could do to suddenly not be able to hear it, drums is the one that you could get by enough, because it's one you feel a lot more, and when he played on this on the slide was one time it came up and then when he was playing with the buckets and i expected more i expected him to learn that oh i can still do a version of this and maybe he does you know in off-screen life and headcanon but that he didn't even seem to try was a weird choice like he he talked to his girlfriend i was like all right i'm gonna watch you for cues but then just on his own I think played drums in the van and was like, Oh, that was the last time for that.
1: Yeah, it did I, I that's what I was thinking too, is like it does seem like even in the scenes where they're showing you what he can hear, it seemed to imply that he could still he could still hear it because he could feel it. So it is interesting that yeah, I agree.
0: I thought the bucket thing could have been could have been cool. Has like a a bucket drum line of kids. It becomes that movie drumline with Nick Cannon, but probably better this way I say having not seen drumline
1: um their their alphabet off that they were doing
0: oh yeah that was great
1: so Ruben is is uh helping both helping and being helped by kids at a at a school for non-hearing kids and one of the like games that they play is to try to see who can sign the alphabet the fastest and he loses of course because he's new but then he like makes the kid rematch (laughs) so he can win gotta win against this kid
0: of course adults gotta Um, be superior
1: yeah (laughs) i just wrote down fist bump for hairy pussy
0: (laughs) that should be a t-shirt because
1: yeah so what'd you say
0: that should be a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt
1: yes he you mentioned earlier he's drawing a, a naked lady for his friend and and she looks at it and he's like, Do you like it? And she's like, Well, I like a little like I'm a little more natural. Get some hair down there. <laughs> um, I love the drum circle. Oh, surgery jump cat was rough. So you see him leaving the the community center, and then just suddenly you're inside his skull.
0: Yep. yep. <laughs> like, I did not like that either. No-
1: <laughs> It wasn't even, like, show a B-roll of, like, hospital and then skull. who's like, you're inside his brain where they are drilling into his skull. It was rough. Yeah. Um, oh, I wrote down, the place of stillness will never abandon you, which was something that Paul Racy's character said to Ruben after he returned from trying to get the, the surgery, or from his first phase of surgery. I just really liked that quote. Um. Polarisi's character was really laying it all out for him. But I think this is really a a common thing that happens when people go through tragedy or are in the healing phase or in a big changing period in their life and are having a hard time adjusting to that is that people can just like lay out the golden road for you and be like, this is how you, if you do this, you're going to be okay. If you follow this path, you're going to be okay. And it's still really, really hard for people to follow it because they just haven't got down that path yet. And it's easier once you've gone down the path to look back and be like, Oh, this is how I did it. This is what worked. And I can share that with other people, but those other people have to choose to follow that path. And I think Ruben's issue is that he doesn't want to follow the golden road to a new happiness. He wants to find the old happiness and just keep going back that way. So he can't possibly walk down this new, this new road. But I loved all of the advice that this kind of mentor character is offering to him, even if it isn't taken. Um, Yeah, that's the scene also where he says, being deaf is not a handicap to us, and it's not something that we're trying to fix. My last note was just what I already said, which was noticing that Lou, his girlfriend, got stopped self-harming, and she got happier and healthier when they were apart.
0: (laughs) One thing that this is, on a lighter note, um, that says more about me, at the very end of the movie, the last scene, when he pops off the... Uh, out the external part of the implants when he reached i became horrified because i'm stupid and i didn't realize they could just clip off oh <laughs> so i was expecting something terrible about to happen and then he just pops them off and they land on his shoulders and went oh good wow because <laughs> i thought we were gonna have wire because after the the jump cut you mentioned i thought they were just going to go for it again and this time we saw it coming But nope, just they pop on and off and that's how they work. And I'm stupid that I thought they were hardwired in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh, that would be horrible. Yeah. After he when they were making like that horrible, like static and loud feedback sounds, I kept wanting him to like unclick them because I know I've like seen people using them. I know that if if stuff's too loud or whatever, you can pop it off. And I was just like, why is he just constantly listening? Just like have some silence. And once he does pop them off at the end and it goes from hearing like the church bells, like clang, 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 and the kids are yelling and people are talking everywhere. And then once he takes it off, it's like blessed relief into silence, which was such a good a good thing on the part of the filmmakers because you as the audience were able to feel that even though earlier in the film, you you like are just rooting for him to be able to hear again. Like all you want is for him to be able to hear again. And then by the end of the movie, he takes the implants off and it's like relief. And you can actually feel the peace that he's feeling, which is one of many ways that the film did like show, don't tell, like they didn't explicitly tell you what was happening, but you were there and could really feel what this character was going through.
0: Yeah. That, that last scene I thought was perfect. Um, you know, with all my consideration of headcam and of this film, that I am thinking about too much. I wonder where he's at now. Um, like, did he go back to the the community where he was kind of offered a job? Uh, is he just doing his own thing in Europe now? Uh, what What is Ruben doing now?
1: Yeah, I mean, he seemed so happy at the community, and that was the other thing that was interesting. Is like not being able to see happiness right in front of you and not seeing that you're somewhere that you belong where everyone likes you and you like them and just not even being able to accept that because you're so bent on this other life that you think is is what you really want. I thought that was a good portrayal of that phenomenon.
0: I know that you're somebody that pays some attention to the Oscars every year. Uh, did you see any of the other films that were up for Best Picture? Because Sound of Metal was up for it and it lost to Nomadland. Have you seen Nomadland?
1: Damn. No, I haven't. No. Uh, I actually did not pay any attention th- no? to these past Oscars.
0: I f- was I on an Oscar episode once of uh, yes. Bring Your Popcorn? Felt and so underqualified.
1: Was... <laughs> when you were on the episode where we watched the Oscars, that was the second or third time I'd ever watched the Oscars. <laughs>
0: uh, well, also that, that year was uh, up against it was uh, Mank. Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father, Judah, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which I thought was great, and Trial of the Chicago 7. So I have now seen two of those films. <laughs> uh, so any closing thoughts on The Sound of Metal? I I am, you know, I'm curious about this director's other work. I want more from Paul Racy, and turns out his filmography is limited. But I thought he was really cool. Um, Riz Ahmed's rad. I want him to be in I- a band. Actually, he is a musician. He's a DJ. He goes by... Riz MC.
1: (laughs) Nice. I think this is Darius Smarter, the director's like debut film. I think he had a co, a co-creator or co-writer credit on a couple other movies with like a friend. The way this movie was made was really like through serendipity. Like he's not in the, he wasn't really immersed in the business and he shopped the script around for many, many years and kept getting rejected or, or getting accepted and then having people drop out last minute. Um, I think like halfway into filming, like 80% into filming their financiers dropped out again and they had to scramble to find some rich people last minute to keep making the film and paying people. So I don't think he, he has a, any other movies that like he's made completely.
0: I found by himself. a documentary that he's a director on from 2008 about right. World War II treasure. Ooh. Treasure? All right. The, the Wikipedia synopsis quickly says, directed by Darius Martyr, it follows an amateur treasure hunter Lance Larson in search of buried treasure from World War II with the help from two veterans. I I, I I might watch this.
1: I feel worried about what it would mean to have treasure from World War II because it seems Nazi like it gold.
0: would be. It's Nazi gold. Oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't say that, I'm assuming, because the, the rest of it is. That's the Wikipedia page. It's apparently on HBO 2, but. Why is there more to this? A major theme of the film involves emotional risks of digging up one's past. Mm. Okay.
1: Cool. But it's a documentary, not yes. a story. huh? Yeah, it sounds interesting. Um, yeah, final thoughts on the film. I think you should watch it. I think it was. it might have been a life-changing movie for me. I just watched it last night, so I'm still ruminating on it and have been like tossing things around in my mind about it. And still having like new realizations about it that I didn't have when I was watching it initially. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good movie. It was really, really well made and really respectful in every way about every subject that it touched on. Although I will say, I think it should have a trigger warning because uh, I'll, although the way that Ruben is treating um his partner in the beginning is like explained by how he's going through this really tragic horrible thing um if you are someone who has experienced being treated like that regularly it can be a little bit triggering particularly if maybe you experience that not under such dire circumstances so just putting that out there um that uh it's a very heavy film but yeah it has a great arc and it really ties everything together really well without putting it for you like on a silver platter like it doesn't overexplain. explain
0: yeah so thank you for being on the program uh bring your own popcorn as a queer podcast live anything else that you would like to plug moat
1: nope but that's all i got going on right now okie doke
0: well i <laughs> well, thank you for being on farther beyond metal
1: yeah whatever thank you for having me on
0: pardon me. <laughs> blah 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 ah Catbox production. I will be that one. Say things, please. Recording in progress. All right.
1: Recording in progress.
0: Nice. I, I missed the other one that was like, this meeting is being recorded. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I forgot it was different.
0: It's like recently different, too.
1: Yeah, they did a big update. Mm. There's like new emojis now.
0: Oh, where are they? Gotta use them.
1: Party. <sighs> well, it used to be all you could do was... Um, I think heart or a thumb or heart or a wave or something. And now you can do gasp.
0: I think I just party. sent a party horn. A oh, well.
1: Actually, you can do anything
0: in the world. Oh, uh-huh. wow. <laughs> now, this is podcasting Alien Face. Where is it? Angry Kitty. Is that Angry Kitty? It looks like it's up or to something.
1: Mischievous Kitty. <clears throat>
0: what comes up if I look up? Metal, if I can spell metal.
1: Oh, yeah, you should be able to do the
0: devil horns. Uh, I looked up metal and nothing came up.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not in there. It's Rude. not in the hands one. It's probably because of Satan.
0: These don't wow. look like your Apple product emoji either. What? These don't look like the Apple product emojis, so maybe that's why. Oh,
1: well, did you know that they are... Um there's like an emoji overlord thing. No. There's like a whole convention of people who make emojis and it's not specific to Apple or anything. It's just like a universal emoji uh, monarchy. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's every year or like every couple of years, they have like a convention and debate on what new emojis they're going to make or what changes they're going to make to old emojis. Like how they made the mask emojis is like smiling now. It's like got like smizing. <laughs> Uh, and then they release them to to just all the platforms and then Apple and Android and whoever makes their own versions of those but they're like determined universally by the Emoji Lords
0: I want to be an Emoji Lord mask oh, <laughs> oh you mean like the I think COVID mask
1: yeah, yeah the one where you're wearing a face mask
0: oh yeah I looked up it mask. and that's be, when it came up okay. it
1: used to be just squinty eyes and then they changed it so it looks like it's happy instead <laughs> of just like sick
0: it's happy to be breathing its own air and not breathing in somebody else's air. Aren't we all? Greetings, folks. Welcome to Farther Beyond Metal. Nope, that's not how I do this. I swear to God. I just did this one. This is one I do all the time.
1: I have it written down. Like, I no shame. I just write it down and read it straight off a piece of paper at people.
0: Well, usually when I record this part, I do it after the fact. And I always type out, greetings, folks, and then the episode number.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: these aren't numbered, so... Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, here we go.